Radio Guy podcast. I'm Marvin, and my call sign is W0MET. Whether you're an experienced ham or just getting started, this podcast is for you. We are bringing you the latest of topics, news, and information, all things amateur radio, each episode right here to this show. You're listening to episode number 20. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Well, thanks for listening and appreciate you being out there. Uh, we've got literally subscribers and people that listen to this podcast worldwide, and I want to say thank you uh, for listening. Uh, life's been very busy lately. We've had a lot going on, uh, a lot of travel this year, uh, just work in general, and then planning some projects and future things going on. And I'm going to discuss some of those in the very beginning here. So my latest one was a trip to California, and that was a uh, opportunity to get a couple parks on the air uh, sites knocked off my list, mainly California and Oregon. And so uh, I want to talk about that a little bit and the some of the challenges I came across with that. And uh, the first one was I was going up through the uh, one of the redwood forests, and I believe it was the Humboldt uh, forest in Northern California area. And I was getting up near like a visitor center and they had some you know concrete area to pull off to the side with and stop and take a look. And so I thought well, might be a good place to do an activation. So I got the antenna out, set up the radio on the back of the SUV and, and started, you know, calling CQ. And, um, you know, I'm at it for about 10 minutes and I make sure I check all my connections. I make sure my mast is uh, good. I kind of relocate my antenna a little bit. I've got a, a little like a, a 19-foot expandable mass that goes up. And so, I mean, I'm not up real high, you know, in these uh, trees and everything. But, uh, you know, I've got, you know, it's decent setup. And I've used it before and never had any issues. And so, again, I, I start calling again. And just nothing. I Like, I'm silent in the air. So... Again, about a block down the way is the visitor center. So I uh, pack up and I, you know, move my stuff over to the visitor center and get out into a little bit more of an open area. And we have a picnic table and I, you know, was able to get my mask deployed again. And then Tana ran over to that and started calling and again, hearing nothing. So I thought I'm going to rotate some channels and just see what I can hear on the bands. Maybe the bands are bad. Uh, but I'm, you know, been spotting myself on the POTA page and just don't hear anything at all, which is very strange. And again, this was like on a Sunday morning, I think, of some type. Uh, maybe no, maybe it was a Saturday afternoon. That's what it was. So very strange that it was not a, um, you know, more people in the bands or more parks out there already operating on a Saturday afternoon. So I, you know, found a channel with two guys talking and you know, kind of yelled break in there and. So go ahead, break. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just uh, here at the, you know, this park and trying to, find, you know, make some contacts and just haven't been able to make any and just make sure my signal is getting out. Kind of curious where you guys are at and what the information is. So anyway, you know, I exchanged my park information with them and whatnot. And I went back to another frequency and I started calling again. And I think I ended up making one contact. And after that, I kind of gave up. It was just like, all right, I'm not making any you know, luck here. It's going to take me a long time to, to get my 10 contacts at this part of the park. But what I started to realize is that I'm in this forest, and I'm around these huge redwood trees. And if you've never been out to the redwood forest, 
first of all, I do highly suggest going. It is a, quite a sight to see. But those things are just ginormous. I mean, they are huge, huge trees. And, I mean, like, it takes four people to try and wrap your arm around some of these. And they're 200 and 250 foot tall. So, and they have quite a, you know, a, a umbrella up top with their leaves and whatnot. And so, anyway, I realized that maybe that was part of my challenge and getting out in that area, uh, you know, around those trees. And it was kind of creating a barrier for me. So I'm kind of curious what your thought on that is. If you guys have experienced something like this before. Now, I've been around some areas where I've had some rocks and things like that. And, and that's certainly created a challenge to get out with. But these trees, I didn't expect it quite so much. So if you guys have, um, you know, experience like this or say, nope, this is probably something else was going on. Uh, feel free to drop me an email, uh, w0met and I'd be happy to, you know, have a conversation with you about it. Uh, maybe you've had your own experience uh, or you've had something like that happen, and I'd be happy to hear about that. So please feel free to share those out. Um, reach out to me via email or uh, on, on my website there. Drop me a line, and uh, be glad to have a little more. If you're a subscriber, you can certainly, uh, you know, give me a question on, on buymeacoffee.com as well. So there's a couple opportunities there. My next thing is, again, uh, related around Parks on the Air, and that is a rally going to be held here in Middle Tennessee area on November 4th at the Cedars of Lebanon State Park. Now, this is being put on by a couple different groups, um, the Macon County Amateur Radio Club and the Stones River Amateur Radio Club in Murfreesboro. And we're trying to plan kind of a larger group to, to come in and go out and activate a couple of more local parks in that area and create some two-meter contacts between those parks if we can and see what if we can do for Simplex. So a little bit of an emergency field communication exercise along with parks on the air at the same time. And we are, you know, inviting people from northern Georgia, Florida, if you want to come from that far, uh, you know, maybe Chattanooga area. If you're in southern Kentucky and you want to pop over to the middle Tennessee and come down for this uh, polar rally here in Middle Tennessee on November 4th, again, at the Cedars of Lebanon State Park in Lebanon, Tennessee. We'd love to have you there and would look forward to uh, seeing you there and hopefully seeing myself as well uh, during that time. So um, feel free to come down and, and visit and, and have a little fun time. We should have some food and stuff available. We may have a small cost associated with that. Still trying to figure some of those details out around that. But again, uh, November 4th, we're looking forward to a Potarelli here in Middle Tennessee area. So feel free to join us if you're a listener on the podcast and you're in the area. For more information, you can also go to the Stones River Amateur Radio Club at srarctn.org, and a page will be up there uh, very shortly. My next thing uh, I want to talk about is a uh, Linux computer project. And this is more of an FYI uh, learning opportunity, teaching moment um, that I kind of had to go through and, and experience the challenges of this. And I'm trying to drop windows across the board as much as possible. And I'm sticking with my Mac platform and trying to use that for as many things as possible as well. Um, tired of the Windows updates and Windows always having to, you know, 
restart and have these issues here and there. It, it's a great platform, but just not for me anymore. And so in doing so, I've had to also try and incorporate Linux Mint into uh, this Apple computer as a virtual machine to run some of the applications like Pat Menu or Pat Winlink and uh, things like that, and or even Vera uh, from the Linux system. So I had installed Parallels on my Apple computer and, and, and got the Linux Mint computer up and running as a virtual machine onto my Apple computer. Well, I'd worked with KM4ACK, who obviously developed 73 Linux, and was going back and forth, and I think I even racked his brain over this, you know, a lot to try to figure this out and, and what the situation was. And I reached out to Parallels Tech Support, and they started to explain to me that uh, I'd sent in a tech report at a request of them, and they told me that I had downloaded the Parallels App Edition from the Mac App Store, and I really needed to upgrade to uh, one of their editions of it instead, as the Apple version was a little bit sandboxed. So it was preventing me from having some access to things like USB and, and Bluetooth, things like that. So if it just FYI, if you're going to do a virtual machine on an Apple and, and you know, like KAMRD, Mike in Texas, uh, he just went through a recent episode with a bunch of things, you know, all Mac related and how he does everything for logging and, and programs and stuff. So anyway... Uh, good to know and, and good to think about when you're downloading some of these programs is, you know, is it the right version that you're looking for? So anyway, um, just wanted to put that out there for people and to remind you um, about those lessons learned sometimes that I experience and go through uh, as I'm working on these projects and updates of certain things. So uh, I'll continue to provide more updates on this Poto Rally as we get closer and more information about it. And so we hope that uh, you will take advantage of that as well. But uh, there's some updates for my week and how things are going and what's, uh, what's in my uh, playground right now and what I've been messing with. And so uh, I was happy to get that 73 Linux installed. And we'll be testing WinLink on that yet this afternoon. Um, on, on, on the new Apple machine or Linux uh, machine now. It's got the new Parallels virtual machine in there. So, well, one of the things I started several weeks ago and that in one of my prior episodes was a vendor highlight. And I've highlighted products. I've highlighted different companies. And this one this week is a vendor highlight called Homebrew Coffee. Homebrew Coffee, established in 2023, is by a ham in Michigan, Steve W3BIZ. Keep your ham shack nice and warm with the soothing taste of the freshest coffee you'll ever taste. He has several flavors like Morse Code Mocha, Ham Shack House Blend, and many more. Support the small business and check out homebrewcoffee.com today, as I did, and I'm enjoying my Morse Code Mocha every morning. And I did go out and buy some, and I... I truly uh, enjoy it. It is some great stuff. Uh, and reach out to Mike and uh, homebrewcoffee.com. We'll get you a, uh, a warm cup filled up in, in your cup of joe in the morning. So uh, reach out to him. Uh, pretty good prices for everything as well. So I want to say thank you to uh, 
Steve for getting that shipped out to me, and, and I really do enjoy that, and I'll be buying more as I, as I go. Visit Club Gear Online for all your POTA swag and ham radio gear from desktop mats to badges and keychains. Club Gear Online has what you need. He can customize uh, chips, QSL cards, and other gear. Just email him direct and from the website and visit Club Gear Online to find your favorite uh, information uh, or swag for the club or your personal collection. So he can customize it all, and he will be at the Huntsville Ham Fest as well. You can find him there. Well, if you'd like to help support the channel and become a patron, look for me on buymeacoffee.com forward slash the ham radio guy. There are three levels you can simply support the channel at, a technician, general, and extra. You can simply support the channel at $1 a month or get the extra class membership with more benefits for just $5 a month. And it is cheaper than a cup of coffee. I promise you, uh, I buy my, my morning coffee almost every morning on my way to work, and it's getting to be absolutely ridiculous amount of coffee. I should be making my own at home, but um, it is a, a good deal for literally less than a cup of coffee um, to get the benefit of keeping this show live and keeping it going with the extra cost involved that we have uh, around keeping subscriptions and software uh, up to date. So thank you for that, and uh, continue to keep your support going uh, to the Ham Radio Guy podcast. Well, let's move into a little news here, and uh, we'll get some updates on what's happening around the world in amateur radio. Well, we got one or four stories for you today. Uh, the first one starting off is the Federal Communications Commission is facing challenges with pirate radio stations in Portland, Oregon, including one found operating on 90.5 FM at the Eastside Free Methodist Church. The church, which may lo- no longer be active, is potentially responsible for the unauthorized broadcasting on its property and could face fines of over $2.3 million. In a separate case in La Grande, Oregon, the FCC proposed an $80,000 fine against Thomas Barnes for operating a pirate station on 100.5 FM since 2018. Despite multiple warnings, Barnes continues to his illegal broadcasting, leading to the FCC's decision to impose the penalty. Our second news story, in an exciting venture with the radio community, the Ham and Quackers channel has launched. Promising engaging content and fostering connections, Broadcasting every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, the channel aims to captivate viewers with its diverse offerings. In the upcoming episode, Bill Brown, K4NYM, will share his thrilling experiences with Parks on the Air. The show's creators are enthusiastic about providing a platform for radio enthusiasts to come together and share their passion. Don't miss out on this opportunity to join this vibrant community and explore the world of radio adventures Tune in for the insightful discussions and entertaining content with a duck. So there you go. Enjoy those news stories there um, with a little uh, Ham and Quackers channel. They were recently also featured on the um, Ham Radio, Ham Talk Live. So uh, Neil Rapp did host them on there, and that's a great episode on podcast as well. If you'd like to hear more about Ham and Quackers uh, channel. 
Well, on July 18th, 2023, some of you may have been affected by the recent outage from the American Radio Relay League, the ARRL headquarters, who experienced an internet outage at the provider level, impacting various systems, including Logbook of the World. The disruption had been acknowledged by the ARRL, but it's worth noting that many cloud-based services remained functional. The ARRL website, digital editions of the ARRL magazines, and member account management tools continued to operate seamlessly. Rest assured, all services were back online on July 19th by the end of day. And we thank you for your patience during the recent intermittent outages, said the ARRL. And for a final news story, on July 26, 2023, an exciting radio experiment successfully decoded a slow-scan TV message transmitted via the ham radio station on the International Space Station. NASA Goddard Space Flight Center sent an image to educators at the ARRL Teachers Institute on wireless techno- on, in, on wireless technology in Newington, Connecticut, via the ISS repeater. The group, equipped with a tape measure Yagi antenna they made, received and decoded the image as part of the Institute's effort to incorporate amateur radio into the STEM education. The experience left the teachers excited about the potential of radio and engineering and STEM, fostering enthusiasm they can share with their students. That is such a cool story that the uh, ARRL does host a summer program for teachers to go out and uh, experience a week or 10 days, I think, of some training around amateur radio and getting them excited about the uh, STEM and and, and building of projects during during their school year. Uh, And I think they're only hosting like maybe 11 teachers Every year, the ARRL does something like this. So, anyway, great program, uh, fully supported, and, and um, you know, I'm glad they're able to do that. Well, I want to get into a little bit more of our um, topic for today, and we'll be discussing operating techniques and best practices, uh, specifically tater- tailored for new amateur radio operators at the technician level. Now, I would say also sometimes there's some generals and extras that could probably use the same uh, knowledge and and information as well. But primarily, this is built around the technician level of license. Now, I have seen throughout my time as a a ARRL and and W5YI VE instructor is that someone gets their license, they've got this shiny new Baofeng radio, or maybe they've got the new TH-74 or something from Kenwood, and, and you know, they've got a nice Yaesu radio or whatever, and it's like, they've got it, they've, they've, you know, sometimes they'll reach out to me and say, hey, got the radio, I don't know how to program it, don't know what to do, what do I do next, what frequencies do I put in it? And they don't really have a lot of information about where to go or what to do. And I think our amateur radio community, we fail in that uh, field quite a bit and making sure that new amateurs have uh, some training and information enough to set themselves forward. Now, I think many amateurs are excited enough about amateur radio and have been maybe around in some other ways. Maybe their father did it, their grandfather did it, they've got a buddy who does it. And so they're able to help each other out that way sometimes. And, and that certainly does help. But I feel like we have sometimes some lost puppy dogs uh, initially with amateur radio operators and we lose them and, and don't retain them as an amateur radio operators very well uh, after they get their license. So uh, I think the big question is that we've always asked ourselves is 
what's next? Now I've got my license. What's next? What do I do? And so there's a couple aspects of this or elements that I want to be able to cover. And the first one is operating your radio effectively and efficiently. That's a crucial aspect of, of enjoying the hobby and making the most out of your license. So I've, my quick example I'll go with is I've you know, been at some events and have amateur radio operators come up to me. And I think I even probably did this once myself was that I had a handheld. It wasn't maybe that, that old, but it was fairly new to me. And I just wasn't really sure with the ins and outs of how to operate or what to do. And I, I think quite often that is the case that we get these handhelds and we, you know, we may program it up and we'll push the button and we speak into it and it activates the local repeater and that's it. I mean, we, we talk to someone and, and we go from there or maybe we're at a, an event of, you know, a, a city event or a community event of some sort or a parade, a bike race. And we just use this to talk to ourselves, uh, you know, amongst ourselves uh, at, the, at the event and there's nothing more to it. But a lot of these radios sometimes will have a lot of features to them that we don't explore fully. And not that we have to, um, but uh, I think it's good that you start to learn the operating techniques that will help you get on the right foot with your radio. And what you have to do is basically sit down and read that whole manual uh, front to back and, and understand the capabilities of your radio and knowing what features and functions are available for you and what might be enabled in your area um, and, and, you know, the, the capability of using wires X or something like that on a local repeater. And, and again, that's one of those features that may be available to you. So we always want to make sure we know those sort of things. So spend time reading the manual and going through that front to back. I've got a friend who recently bought the FTM 500 and he literally read the manual front to back. And I think he did it more than once. Uh, and figured out all the different settings, but he's very familiar with that FTM 500 now, and he very much likes it. So um, now he's done that, he's familiar with it. He's able to go in and practice some of the key functions uh, and, and you know, setting up APRS or maybe setting up the uh, Yesu system fusion and wires X system in there. And he can do that. He knows how to like do the frequency tuning uh, or selection of it. Um, he can, you know, go in and quickly add a channel or, or take something out if he needs to. And then just adjusting the power output as needed. So those are probably the bigger things that you need to be at least familiar with when you get a new radio as a technician. And, and that's, again, some of these things would apply to a general too. If you get a new radio, familiar, familiarize yourself with that. And, and know that radio inside and out and what that looks like. I, I will, should say I've got radios on there that I know I don't have all the features. Uh, I'm not familiar with all of them myself. So understanding the capabilities, kind of a summary here, uh, understanding the capabilities and limitations of your equipment, it will help you make the most of that radio. And again, I covered some of these features like APRS, digital modes, uh, and other things I didn't mention earlier was group mode, crossband repeat, uh, and, and, you know, programming on the fly. And so you get where I'm going with this. And, and if you have some other comments out there you'd like to leave and, you know, something to add to this, 
I, I welcome those comments and please email me at W0MET and maybe I can do a follow-up um, podcast on this about, you know, something I missed and, and some other thoughts. And I'll certainly try to reply to those questions and put them in the next episode. Glad to have you on the show in that regards and, and having uh, some feedback. So uh, hopefully you get where I'm going with those uh, things. But, uh, you know, when you need it the most, looking through the manual to find uh, what you're looking for, uh, to turn a feature on or how to program a radio is probably not the best time to be figuring out your radio at that point. Um, so that's the summary for that is, you know, definitely take the time and go through your radio. Now, there's something else I could talk about here, and that's best practices for on-air etiquette. And I think a lot of people get gun-shy uh, when they start to get that radio and get on the air for the first time. I, I know I speak to people at the club, and I hear people on the radio all the time going, oh, yeah, I listen to you guys every morning. Well, why don't you get there and, you know, and, and talk to me? Uh, why don't you say good morning or, or reach out and, and, and just say something? And I just never hear that person on the air at all. And, you know, again, I'm in the middle Tennessee area. It's fairly busy. We, my buddy and I would be driving to Nashville every morning until he changed jobs. And we had the morning drive. And there would be, you know, three or four of us on that, you know, channel almost every, on that repeater almost every morning. And we'd be talking, you know, back and forth. And, you know, when one of us wasn't on there, somebody else would hop in. And so it was always a great time until he moved, uh, had to change jobs. And so now he doesn't, he starts much later. So I don't get to do that morning drive with him. But, you know, people would, you know, hop in and hop out. But I know there was what we refer to as some lurkers out there as well or lurking where they you know again stay out there on the radio they hear what's going on they listen but they just don't jump in and i've seen this at a type of example at field day as well where we have people who are general and extra class operators that i know operate very very little uh, at home even if they have a setup to operate at home and I get to field day and say, oh, come on. Hey, come sit down here. Take over this radio. for." No, I'm good. I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm not going to be here long or something, you know. And so they're kind of afraid to hop on that, uh, on, you know, on that radio and, and pull the trigger and, and, you know, push that push the talk button to start reaching out to people. And I'm just, you know, for people who are on amateur radio, I expect you to really kind of talk and be engaged and, and get out a little bit. Um, I mean, if you don't do it then... Are you going to be able to do it during emergency and, and talk when you really need to? So it's, again, getting comfortable with, our, you know, the radio and understanding it as well. And so um, one of the things that I've heard quite often on some new hams as well was remember to listen before transmitting. So, um, know, you know, know what the conversation is going on uh, already maybe that might be engaged on the repeater, uh, you know, Take the time from exercise yourself the conversation. Free, feel free to jump in there if you have something to add, some experience, some knowledge around something like that. You know, people are always happy to help as well and, and provide other information, and people are happy to receive that information. So uh, that's always good. And then uh, helping understand the dynamics and, and the flow of communication on a frequency. You listen to a repeater long enough, you kind of understand maybe when it's busy, when it's quiet, and and who's on there and who isn't, but uh, you know that that will, you know, start to get, help you get engaged as well. And 
you know, one thing you can do is just go, for example, Whiskey Zero, Mike Echo Tango Mobile. And, and, and I do that quite often when I get up in the morning and I'm on the road. I'll just, you know, say Whiskey Zero, you know, say W0MET Mobile. And, you know, somebody will sometimes reply back to me and say, hey, good morning. How are you doing? It's like, yeah, I'm doing well. So, you know, that's, that's always fun. And it's good to kind of engage those conversations. Somebody I may not get to talk to all the time. But as you start to key that mic, uh, there's a couple of things I want to go through as well. And I got one thing I forgot about, just thought about, was that remember that amateur radio is a shared resource and being courteous to others, operators is essential. So when you're ready to join that conversation or make a call, just identify yourself. And this is where I'm going to the next point was that you can key the mic and go zero me team. And they'll go, who is that? Especially if it's a new call sign. So some of these are like KQ4, CC, you know, N or something. And they, maybe they only caught CN or something. You have to make sure you hold down that PTT button on your microphone or your handheld first uh, and, and let it sit there for a second before you start to speak. Gives it a second to activate the repeater, a second to jump in. It isn't, you know, simultaneous like a, like a phone conversation would be. So, you know, allow others to recognize and respond to you properly by throwing out your call sign. And, and you can do it, you know, slowly. If you just go WZMT, like, you know, like you're afraid to get out there. So you just rush it and you're nervous and you're kind of scared. Uh, so, you know, just throw it out there nice, slow and easy. Maybe throw out your call sign. Uh, you, you just do Whiskey Zero, Mike Echo Tango Mobile or listening or something. And so that's always, uh, you know, an opportunity too. You could, you know, slow it down a little bit. Um, another important aspect of operating techniques I have here is, again, using phonetics like I'm kind of talking about here. Uh, using a, the standard uh, phonetic alphabet like Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta. Uh, don't use dog and cat and, uh, you know, whiskey or, uh, you know, some of those others that you might have. Um, well, whiskey, I guess, is W is, is a whiskey. But um, sometimes, you know, wizard or something, if you're thinking of some other letters that might be out there. Uh, there is a kind of a standard phonetics that we want you to use, and that helps ensure the accurate and clear communication, um, especially when signal conditions are up in the HF area. You may be talking to someone in another area, land or, or further across in the country, and if you're trying to say sugar, uh, Sierra might be a better word to use, and the Sierra is kind of the typical standard one we use, but sometimes there is the DX uh, phonetics, and then there's like the U.S. phonetics. So you might, you know, familiarize yourself with both of them. But sometimes even going down the road, I will go out uh, Charlie, Nora, David, one, two, three as a license plate, and call those, you know, li license plates out and kind of practice your phonetics a little bit and get yourself more familiarize them, uh, familiarize yourself with those a little bit more. And so that might be a good way to do it, just to learn, uh, just calling certain things out on a sign or spelling and trying to spell words with it as you go. Um, but practicing phonetics, you know, will enhance your understanding of the other operators and make your transmissions easier to understand maybe in those not ideal conditions. Now, as a technician, you, you have an opportunity to uh, have access to a variety of operating modes and, and frequencies and experimenting with some different modes such as FM, single sideband, digital modes, uh, can be an exciting way to expand your hobby and like 10 meters and 6 meters there's not a lot of activity on there uh, for those types of things like you know FT8 whatever on, on a 
on a six or ten meters. Now I'm not saying there isn't any, but it's more limited uh, compared to something like twenty and forty meters. So, you know, it's a little tougher to get on the air in those bands because they also are you know based on some propagation and and sunspots and you know when when they're hot they're hot and when they're not they're not and that's literally um, you know. <laughs> Uh, the way it is and you know you got to catch them at the right time so another way for you to be able to get on and, and talk to other people much easier would be considered joining a net uh, you know which are usually scattered, scheduled uh, boy uh, scheduled on air gatherings of operations with similar interest uh, you know they provide an opportunity to meet other hams uh, ask questions and learn from experienced operators at the same time. They sometimes will host trainings and things on there and talk about certain places or nets you could, you know, other nets you could listen to or, or maybe how to go about getting your ICS 100 course or something like that, that, that you know, have different opportunities on there. And these, sometimes they'll be hosted by Aries. Uh, sometimes if you listen on the HF side, they're, they're a whole uh, host of other nets and reasons for them. And that could be a uh, episode all by itself uh, for the most part. But additionally, taking part in, in contests as well as another opportunity to be able to uh, get involved. And, you know, special event stations, uh, as a technician, it's a little tougher to get into like 13 colonies or get involved in like Route 66 or Battleship Weekend. Some of those can be a little tougher, especially getting on that six and 10 meter bands. But you might sometimes find them on there. But there is other contests sometimes around the world that you can participate in and contests also often provide a great opportunity to practice the rapid fire exchanges. And, and you just have to know what that contest consists of. Sometimes they have certain qualifications or, or certain expectations that you're providing back to them uh, when all said and done, like maybe a call sign or, or maybe just the number of, of contacts that you made. Uh, so that can change from contest to contest. Um, but they do provide a great opportunity to, um, you know, really in increase your operating speed and, and enhance your overall efficiency on the air as well. Uh, if you, especially if you're having to handle traffic, uh, that's a great way to go. Now, finally, uh, ongoing learning and training are always vital to growing an amateur radio. I've, I've been doing it for 26 plus years and I continue to learn new stuff every day. Um, so take advantage of the vast resources that are available to you from online forums and Facebook and AWRL. They have some great publications there as well. Uh, local ham radio clubs are a great resource. Talk to the old timers. They, they know their stuff. They, they know how to do it. They can help you, you know, mentor you and train you to learn these things as well. And, you know, joining a mentoring program or, or a club participating in some local trainings. It's a great way to get involved and really uh, get some guidance uh, to learn the intricacies of this hobby and how it works. Well, that's going to wrap up uh, this part of the episode on operating techniques and best practices for episode number 20 here uh, for a new amateur radio operator license at the, at the technician level. I hope that you did find this information helpful and that uh, this will inspire you to explore you know, more in the amateur radio world and, and have some confidence and enthusiasm about it uh, as it is a good thing to learn and go forth with. 
uh, challenges, uh, even uh, such as myself doing the poetry activation. And it's a learning opportunity and moment. And again, I hope to hear some feedback around some of those things. Well, looking for all things ham radio related, visit the Ham Radio Guy website at thehamradioguide.com for more informative content, product reviews, latest episodes, and exciting blog posts. You can join the conversation on your favorite podcast platform and stay up to date with the latest trends and news in the ham radio world. Connect with me on uh, Twitter at thehamradioguy for even more updates and information and engaging interactions. And don't miss out on the fun and knowledge sharing. Uh, subscribe to the Ham Radio Guy today or join us over at buymeacoffee.com forward slash the Ham Radio Guy uh, for all the latest information as well on the, the posts that I uh, do produce there. Well, one more thing here we've got HamFest schedule coming up. So check out the AWR HamFest schedule and you can find um, this link. Uh, along with many other links attached to every show notes. And I, I do put them in, in a page for notes so you can visit and see. Uh, you can also find us at uh, the, now on YouTube, and all the show notes will be there as well. So the AWRL HamFest schedule, uh, August 11th through the 13th in 2023, the AWRL Rocky Mountain Division Convention will be held in Albuquerque, New Mexico. August 19th to the 20th, Huntsville HamFest hosting the AWRL Alabama State Convention here in Huntsville, and I will be at that as well. Um, and I have one more thing on a note to that, is that the Winter Field Day uh, Association will be having their very first table at a ham fest this year, and it will be Huntsville, Alabama, so at the Huntsville Ham Fest. Uh, we are doing our premier table there. We will have some trinkets and gadgets to give away at the table, and, uh, you know, come by and visit us, find out a little bit more about what Winter Field Day is. And if you guys haven't uh, maybe missed an episode or two here, is I'm not only the host of the Ham Radio Guy podcast, also the president of the Winter Field Day Association. So if you ever have any questions, reach out to us at winterfieldday.com, and we can, um, you know, connect with you there. But that's uh, just FYI Huntsville made me think of that. I forgot to put that at the very beginning of the, of the show that we would be uh, having that table available as well at the Huntsville Ham Fest. August 25th to the 27th, just a week later, Northeast Ham Exposition will be hosting the AWRL New England Division Convention in Marlboro, Massachusetts. And September 1st to the 3rd, the Shelby Ham Fest, hosting the AWRL North Carolina Section Convention in Shelby, North Carolina. Well, that will bring this show to a close this week, and I hope that you enjoyed it. Hope that you'll submit that subscribe button and share with friends and hope that you learned something as well this week that will help you in your ham radio operations. If you have a question or comments, feel free to leave them on Twitter, podcast, or email me at W0MET at net. If you'd like to help support the channel and become a patron, look for me on buymeacoffee.com forward slash the ham radio guy to join today. 
Please hit the subscribe button on Twitter and follow me as I provide the latest information for all the podcasts on Twitter immediately after publishing an episode so you can listen to it right away. As always, this is your ham radio buddy in the chair and on the air. As the ham radio guy, I say 73. Free.